Hi everyone, I'm glad you joined us here at Nova at Home. My name is Dean and I'm the lead pastor here at Nova Community Church. Please turn your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. You know, as challenging and exhausting as this last six weeks have been, there's something inside of me that sees this time as transformational. Your life and my life will forever be changed by COVID-19. We're all shaped by a series of defining moments. Sometimes these crucial episodes are a single unpredicted hour within our lives. Sometimes they are seasons. It's true that every day of our life matters, but every day doesn't have equal weight in shaping the person we will be in the future. Positive or negative, good or bad, redeeming or destructive, your life is marked by a handful of significant moments. In these significant moments and interruptions sometimes leave a mark or a scar or a wound on your life. How you view the marks or wounds determines how you grow and change and mature. And these have been challenging times. And the constant changes, it just has our heads spinning. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, even when you don't know what to think, you know how to think. Because the scriptures, God's word, transforms and shapes how to think about what's happening in our life and in our world. Our new series, Life Interrupted, is about exploring and learning from situations and circumstances of historical disruptions that cause people to look to and trust God. Last week, Thomas kicked off our series with a look into the beginning of the Bible and the setting of the Garden of Eden. And after the paradise of Eden was interrupted, we see throughout the Bible how humankind longs for a return to Eden, which is ultimately found in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I thought we'd start today with a question to sort of lock our minds onto a topic. And so let's take about a minute to talk about this with whoever you're with. And if you're by yourself, why don't you call somebody or, or text somebody with your answer? Here's the question, though. What is the difference between tired and weary? I hope your minds and hearts are ready to talk about this relevant topic today. Some of you may remember an infamous ship, the Pelicano. Now, the Pelicano was the most unwanted ship in the world. For over two years, it floated on the open seas. No port would accept it. The massive ship was turned away from at least 11 nations. The Pelicano wandered the Caribbean and West Africa and sailed the Mediterranean and roamed the Indian Ocean. And when she found a friendly harbor, she was only allowed to dock long enough to refuel and then sent back out to sea again. The reason for the wide-scale rejection of the Pelicano was because in 1986, the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, didn't seem to have much brotherly love at all. You see, the city's sanitation workers went on a compensation-related strike for almost an entire month. And a lot of trash can accumulate in a month in a city the size of Philadelphia. At first, they tried to send their trash to Ohio or Georgia, but those states refused to accept it. What Philadelphia ended up doing was incinerating their trash into 28 
million pounds of scrap and ash and then dumping it onto the Pelicano. The Pelicano became an infamous floating garbage dump with megatons of rotting trash. No nation in the world wanted the Pelicano anywhere near them. To be honest, you know, real talk, my life has a way of accumulating junk too. I'm, I'm selfish, I have hang-ups and brokenness and the circumstances of life that involve others either intentionally or unintentionally bog me down under the weight of a heap of trash. In fact, over time, the trash in my life becomes toxic and it produces the fumes of anger and guilt and anxiety and fear and bitterness. So you end up searching for a safe harbor, sort of floating around from one situation to another, only to discover that all you can do is refuel so that you can wander around some more, never finding a home port because no one wants your trash and you're weary. So let's take a look at what the scriptures say about weariness. Our text today is in Isaiah chapter 40. In verse 1, it says this, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then in verse 9, You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. In verses 28 through 31, it says this, Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is the word of the Lord today. What is the difference between tired and weary? You know, when I'm weary, I feel certain things. I feel forgotten. No one knows what I'm feeling. I, I sort of feel invisible when I feel forgotten. I also feel powerless when I'm weary. Nothing I do seems to matter and no one knows me. I feel like no one cares, like I'm left to care and provide and work and defend for myself. I feel sometimes unloved when I'm weary. I don't feel special to anyone or I feel bored. I feel insignificant and I feel lazy. Let's begin with a brief overview of the book of Isaiah. 
The book of Isaiah is like a mini Bible. The first 39 chapters correspond to the 39 books of the Old Testament and stress the righteousness, holiness, and justice of God. And then the last 27 chapters of Isaiah correspond to the 27 books of the New Testament and portray God's glory, compassion, and undeserved favor. In the first 39 chapters, we see Isaiah's prophetic words of God's judgment because of the sin and brokenness of Judah in the surrounding nations and really the whole earth. It's a fearful time. It's a time of anxiety and sadness. It's a dismal situation. But in our text today, in chapter 40, their weariness is interrupted by a caring and compassionate king. Well, who is the interrupter anyways? There's a king and he's coming. You know, in ancient days when a king made visits to his kingdom, he didn't use the normal public roads. New highways and boulevards were constructed for the royal procession. Now, why is that? It's because the new construction symbolized the authority of the king. It also represented the influence of a true royal leader. Because when you have a great king, the whole community flourishes under a good and generous leader. But Isaiah tells us something deeper in the first 39 chapters. That the world was a dry wilderness filled with brokenness and disease and conflict and poverty and injustice. And when the ultimate king comes, he will bring justice and healing and prosperity to the land that was once desolate. Well, what difference will the king make? Isaiah chapters 1 through 39 paints a painful and dismal picture of Judah being ruled by bad kings and enemy nations conquering and the, the weak and the poor being taken advantage of and eventually the whole nation being taken away in captivity and exile. And suddenly, though, in chapter 40, there's an interruption with hope. At first, we see comfort for weary people. In verse 1, it says, Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. And then we see a, a real sensitive proclamation that the struggle is over. Now, why is that? Well, the answer is found in verse 2. It says, Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. At the end of verse 2, you pick up on a sort of a mysterious phrase. In verse 2, it says, Her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. When you first read this, what are you thinking that Isaiah is saying? You know, in my first reading, I was, I was, I was thinking that this meant that your hard service, your sin is completed because God is requiring a double payment for your sin. But that's not what this verse is telling us. There's no place in the Bible that says we must pay double for our sins. So if you read it again, it says, she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. It does not say Israel has received at the Lord's hand double punishment. It says the Lord is giving double payment the reason why the suffering for sin will only be temporary is because God has provided the payment for sin, and that payment is way more than enough. Verses 10 and 11 go on to say in verse 10, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, 
and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. When the king shows up, we see in verse 10, he comes in power and he rules with a mighty arm. But what is that arm doing? It's tending and gathering his flock and holding them gently close to his heart. You know, I recently connected with someone over email that's been joining us at Nova at Home. And one of the things they said in that email was, they said, I have made some big mistakes. And if I were to sort of read into that a little bit more, I think what they were really asking me was this. Do you think God can forgive me? And the answer to that question is yes. The explanation for double payment is found in Jesus Christ. When God says, I've given you double payment, he's emphasizing that through Jesus, he has not just paid the bare minimum. Through Jesus, there's so much love that his death on the cross doesn't just wipe out sin. His sacrifice welcomes you into his loving arms. You are not just pardoned criminals. You are God's reward. There's a great book. It's a, it's a pretty old book entitled Spiritual Depression, the Causes and Cures. It's by David Martin Lloyd-Jones. And Dr. Lloyd-Jones writes that he has come to realize over the years that the average Christian is filled with anxiety and insecurity, almost more than non-Christians. And he noticed that Christians were very touchy and could not take criticism well. They seemed to feel depressed and unworthy and despondent. And you know, he couldn't figure out why. But after some thought, he came to the conclusion that they did not understand the doubleness. That's the doubleness of the work of Jesus Christ. Many Christians believe that Jesus died for their sins, meaning that they are pardoned. And some think that Jesus barely has given them just enough salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus died the death you should have died, and he lived the life you should have lived. And the doubleness of God sees you as forgiven, and you are his prize and reward. And that's the doubleness. In, in verses 28 through 31, we find some well-known words from the Bible. It's all about waiting. In verse 28, it says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall and exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I think a lot of us are waiting for the stay-at-home order to be lifted. But what does it mean to wait for the Lord? I think it means three things. The first is obey. That I'm not seeking my will, but I'm, I'm obeying God's will only. The second thing is relax. It's about God's timing. It's about God's schedule. It's not about my schedule. So I need to just relax in that. And the third is expect. 
because of God in my life, I have hope. Well, what do you hope in God for? I wonder what was going through the mind of the captain of the Pelicano as they approach the next port city. Did he ever give up hope that the weary ship would finally find a place to offload its cargo of trash? I know that some of you can identify with the Pelicano. You know what it's like to feel aimless and exhausted and weary and under a heavy burden. You know, weary is different than sleepy. You can cure sleepy with a good night's rest or or with an afternoon nap in your favorite chair. Weary dictates how you'll feel about things and what you'll do. Weary means it's hard to relax, and weary means that you are no longer able to be comfortable with who you are. If weary describes you, then there is good news. Jesus says he offers freedom from what weighs you down. And this freedom comes through one of the greatest words in the scriptures, the word rest. Jesus said that he has come to give you rest. He gives you a way to offload what burdens you. He gives you not only an eternal place of rest in heaven, but also an ongoing peace while on earth. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is telling you that he will replace your heavy burden. He says that if we trust him and learn from him, we will find the rest that we so desperately crave. No one knows exactly where the Pelicano is today. Many think that the ship which sailed around the world in search of a place to unload Philadelphia's garbage eventually retired. Like many ships of its size, once it had served its time, the Pelicano was most likely recycled into scrap metal and used in many different ways. And wherever the Pelicano is, it no longer carries its burden. And because of that, it's free to be more than anyone ever imagined it could be. Like the people of ancient Israel, our lives have been interrupted. And like the people of ancient Israel, God has a message of hope for us. That God is here. He brings comfort and healing and restoration and redemption. If you're weary and you're tired today, Jesus wants to carry your burden. And he wants you to experience the fullness of life that he has waiting for you. Amen. One of the things that I miss about gathering together in person is meeting new people and reconnecting with friends. And so if you're watching this right now and we don't know each other well, would you connect with me by email? My email address is deanmaeta at novachurch.org. I'd love to get to know you better. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how you found us online or tell me where you're at in your spiritual journey. Just stuff like that. And you know what? If you want a copy of that book that I talked about by D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, that book, Spiritual Depression, The Causes and Cures, I've got a few extra copies in my library to give away and I'll send one to you. But until next time, 
Stay connected and engaged with us at Novet Home. Grace and peace to you.